Episode 20 of the Pilot to Pilot podcast takes off now. My name is Gisela, and I fly for Cayman Airways, and I'm based in the beautiful Grand Cayman Islands. What is going on, AV Nation, and welcome back to the Pilot to Pilot podcast. In today's episode, I am talking with Gisela Ebanks. Gisela is a current pilot for the Grand Cayman Airways, where she was the first female pilot to ever fly the Twin Otter and the 737s. Some of the things that we talk about in today's episode are what kind of struggles she had in airsman training. We talk about her check rides. We talk about crazy stories Gisela has from training in general, how she got her job at Grand Cayman Airways, and just what it was like growing up in the Caribbean and becoming a pilot. Guys, I cannot wait to share this episode with you guys. It is a great one. As always, if you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. You can DM us on our Instagram page at pilot to pilot or email us at pilot to pilot HQ at gmail.com. I really look forward to hearing from you guys and seeing what you guys have to say about this episode. And without further ado, here's Gisela Epix. Hey Gisela, thanks for coming on the Pilot to Pilot podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. No problem. I'm really excited to tell your story. It is Really cool. I've had so many people reach out to me just saying, hey, you need to get her on the Pilot to Pilot podcast. You need to get her on. So I'm glad that we could finally get you on. There we go. So we fixed that gap then. Yeah, for the sure. The world is safe again. The yeah. world is safe again. <laughs> <laughs> so the first question I have for you, I ask this question to everyone is, what inspired you to become a pilot? Well, long story is, uh, long story made short, actually, <laughs> is my parents used to take me to the airport to watch airplanes land and take off and whatnot. This used to be like a thing that we did every Saturday. Oh, cool. And um, I guess it kind of like grew on me subconsciously. I didn't really find planes all that fascinating. And then I just kind of put that aside. I went to high school and decided, hey, I want to be a doctor. I got all like um, all the science classes, chemistry, biology, physics and whatnot. And I thought, yeah, I'm still definitely going to be that. And it was one day I was sitting in biology class and I was like dissecting a fly or something like that. And a Cayman Airways plane actually flew over and I thought, huh, that looks pretty cool. <laughs> and that's pretty much where it started. So as soon as I finished high school, I got a job at the FBO in Grand Cayman called Island Air. And I uh, worked there for about uh, two years and here I am. That's so cool. So how far did you go? You didn't get out. of So you, the idea of being a doctor was just in high school. You didn't go to like secondary school or college or anything to continue pursuing it? No, I actually want, requested to get like a scholarship because our government gives scholarships for children who want to be like a doctor or lawyer or whatever. So I applied for that and they pretty much went, no, nah, you're just not going to get it. Oh, so no. I figured, all right, well, let me just try the whole pilot thing. And my dad was kind of like, well, that's pretty you know, different. You wanted to be a doctor and all of a sudden you're just choosing aviation. That's, that's pretty unusual. So, but I, I was good that I had my mom to back me up and I had my dad to back me up, even though that dream seemed a little far-fetched. So say the government said yes. Do you think you ever would have tried to become a pilot or do you think you just would have gone straight into med school and been a doctor? Well, um, now that I'm involved in aviation, hell no. But <laughs> if I didn't know anything about aviation, I probably would have went down that route. Yeah. What's it look like yeah. to be to start getting into aviation in the Cayman Islands or in the Caribbean in general? Like, is it similar to the to the U.S. path, or is it more similar to the European, or is it kind of all different on its own? It's kind of similar to the United States. Um, you usually go to flight school, get all your ratings and whatnot, and then you have the opportunity to either do instructing in the United States to get your hours, and then come back down to Grand Cayman and then get a flying job flying the Twin Otters because it usually starts you on the turboprop, which is kind of like the regional, mm -hmm. I guess that would be like the regional flying that like you guys would consider that. Yeah. 
And then after that, you put in a little bit more time and then there's a chance to upgrade onto the 737s. So you do go to like an American flight school. Are there any flight schools down in the Cayman Islands or is it just all in American? No. Yeah, we all go straight to the United States. We get the FAA stuff and then we come back to Cayman and then you have to convert your FAA to CAA, which is just a simple exam and pay for your card and whatnot. And then you're good to go. Okay, cool. So then you're good to go. Good to go start flying passengers around and do all that stuff. Fun stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Get your training done and yeah. welcome aboard. So, yeah, right. Let's go. So you said that you worked for the, the FBO, right? For the airline. How long was it between you working for that and when you actually started your training? Was it a hard process or was it relatively simple? Um, It was kind of, uh, kind of a, like, uh, maybe I'll say a moderate wait. It wasn't like something out of the ordinary, like years waiting. I actually lucked out. Um, I got the job at the FBO for Island Air, which is like a whole different company from Cayman Airways. Mm -hmm. But then after I went up, got my training done, got my ratings and came back down, I actually still worked there part-time while I worked part-time for Cayman Airways Express flying the Twin Otter. But there's some people I know that they get their licenses and they're sitting down and they're trying to figure out, okay, what do I do? Where am I going to get the hours to fly? I lucked out, like I said, I walked out of flight school like on a Wednesday and then went straight into Twin Otter Ground School like on the following Monday because they needed pilots really, really, really bad. And I just happened to be there at the right time. Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's always good that they need pilots right now. I know back in the day that wasn't necessarily the case. So <laughs> if you're wanting to get into aviation, now is the best time to do it. <laughs> yeah. So I've heard there's like a really huge pilot shortage over in the States right now. Yeah. It's a huge pilot <laughs> shortage. And the, the regionals, like you said, in America are really hiring pilots as fast as you can. If you have 1500 hours or if you have a restricted ATP, they will hire you as fast as possible. It's crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Which is a lot different. That's quite a change. I know. It's a lot different from when I started or from when I, the stories of like from Kurt or Kevin, when they're talking about how regionals you needed still like 3000 or 2,500 hours just to get a a chance to be interviewed by a regional. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a lot different now. And they also pay more too, which is a lot better. Which helps as well too. Yeah. The the money also helps. (laughs) Yeah. Big time. Yeah. So what was your training like? What was it like moving to the States? Were you familiar with the States or is this your first experience going there to learn how to fly? Well, I'd always like, you know, for vacation, I used to go up to Miami all the time with my dad. So that wasn't anything new. But going to San Diego, because that's where I got my private pilot stuff, right? They're not used to the Caymanian accent. So it was a process of me having to like shed how I sounded typically and like pick up more of an American accent because I'd get into the little Cessna and call up for engine start clearance. And I'd always have to repeat my request. And my instructor was like, Gisela, you need to try to pronunciate your words a little bit better. <laughs> so I think that was one of the biggest struggles as well to trying to keep that, you know, culture, that that um, accent that I grew up with, but at the same time, trying to sound understandable as well too to my instructor, everybody else in the airspace and tower as well too. So right. that was fun. Yeah, I'm sure that was fun. I'm sure it was kind of frustrating too, because you're like, I'm trying to, I'm saying the same exact thing. How do you not understand? <laughs> I was like, why are you not understanding <laughs> yeah. me? I'm in a Cessna. Why? Yeah, I'm still speaking but, English. Yeah. Like I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> what? Um. So you went to San Diego, and like you said, it was a little bit different than maybe the Cayman Islands and stuff. But you still went to one of the nicer spots in the country, so you you lucked out with that. Uh, it was beautiful, like the mountains and flying over. I think it was Julian Mountains as well, and we did some cross country flying out to Blythe and Thermal, and we did uh, Palm Springs. So that was really nice. It's a different setup altogether because Cayman has no mountains whatsoever. Oh, really? And then we got out there, and yeah, we're we're basically flat. 
And then we got out there and it was like, oh my God, look at this. These mountains are flat 7,500 feet. And I'm planning my cross country for about the same altitude too. So it's like, <laughs> oh, wow, look at that. Yeah. So that's a little different than flying over it's flat beaches. Different. Yeah. Yeah. How long did it take you to go from private pilot to being completely done and ready to go fly the Twin Otter? Well, I actually broke up some of my training. Okay. Um, I did the private pilot in San Diego. And it was right at that same time where, you know, they had started parking planes because the cost of gas had like reached up to like the sky high limit and oh, airliners yeah. parking stuff and whatnot. So they, they originally quoted me for like a certain amount for to get my private true commercial. Mm -hmm. And then when they hit me back with the reevaluated quote, I was like, no, nah, there's no way I can afford this. <laughs> so I ended up having to come back to Cayman and then looking for another flight school that could fit my budget because I had to get a student loan back in Grand Cayman. Yeah. And then um, I searched out this other school. It was called Professional Flight Training. It was out of Fort Lauderdale Executive. And then I hit that school up for about four, I think it was about four and a half, no, five months actually. And then that was from instrument to commercial multi. So all together, about, I'd say nine, about eight and a half months to get everything. Okay. So you still did it relatively fast. You just so had to split still, it yeah. up. Yeah. Yeah, split it up. Yeah, it's crazy how... Like you agreed to a price and the flight school comes back, be like, uh, hey, actually it's going to be this. And you're like, whoa, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like 18 and I remember like picking up the phone and calling my mom and going, wait, we're going to have to go to the bank. And she's like, why? We already took out a loan for this amount of money. I'm like, well, they just hit me back and said, okay, well, this is going to change. The cost to rent the plane is going to be a little bit more expensive. Fuel is going to be a little bit more expensive. So I think that alone was frustrating in the aspect that they had to go do all their paperwork and stuff like that and reapply for another loan and whatnot. And I was just sitting down thinking, okay, well, I'm never going to be a commercial pilot at this point now too, because, you know, what if we don't get approved for the other loan or that kind of thing? So I always had that in the back of my mind as well too. Right. It's expensive. Like I've, I know it I've said is. this in every single one, but it's never it going to change. Becoming it a is. pilot is really expensive. And at times, like you said, you, it can almost seem like you can never do it because you're going to hit a point where just everything is going to be against you. Like you said, whether it's money, whether it's planes, whether it's just the economy goes down. Or even if you have to repeat a lesson, I know like on a couple of occasions that's actually been like the back thought in, in my mind. Like, okay, what if I have to repeat this? I don't think I have enough money to go ahead and pay for like three more training sessions or, you know, especially if weather ruins your day, you have to like postpone a trip or postpone a cross country or whatever. And, you know, yeah. so that's, that's always been like an edgy part was the money. Yeah. It's just, it's crazy because like, even like you said, weather, like you can't control the weather. And if you have, like you go to San Diego and the, the marine layer rolls in, or you go to Florida oh, in the summer and it's just really, there's a lot of thunderstorms in Florida in the summer. Exactly. You can go weeks exactly. to two weeks without flying and that's going to set you back so much. You're going to have to make up so many other flights to do this. So it is crazy expensive. We actually had to even like adopt our training, like adapt our training schedule to like, um, instead of going out training in the morning when I was in Florida, we'd have to go like, um, early, early morning, like seven o'clock, six o'clock, just to get some stuff out of the way, because you know, by 11 o'clock, thunderstorm city. Yeah. So, and yeah. you're going to want to not want to fly ever again. If you fly in Florida in the summertime <laughs> for a couple hours at a time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, You'll be ready to give it up. Like, all right, I'm done. Yeah. I didn't sign up to go to hell. Yeah. Take me out. <laughs> let's, let's try this doctor thing again. Let's see what we can do. <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny so you did two different flight schools and you got your private in san diego and then everything else in fort lauderdale right mm -hmm. 
Did you notice a big difference between the same schools or would you say that it was about the same teaching at both schools? It was relatively good teaching at both schools. I had a uh, wonderful female flight instructor when I was in San Diego. Um, She actually brought me out of my shell because when I started, I don't know, I think I had this perception that people were supposed to cradle me and give me good words and pet me and tell me great job. But (laughs) she actually saw beyond that. So there was a couple of times she'd get out. She's like, what are you doing? You can't do that. So that kind of structure I needed, she did a great job at that. And then even when I went to um, Fort Lauderdale as well, too, I had a great instructor who actually figured me out as well, too, and kind of sensed that I still wanted the compliments and the patting and the cuddling and stuff like that. And he kind of brought me out of my shell as well, too, with having me make my own decisions and not having to rely on an instructor so much. So Right, which is a good. Yeah, it was a good experience. For sure. And if you think about it, they're setting you up for your future. And if they just like coddle you and just tell you how great you are you're going to go sit in a 737 eventually and you're going to have a captain that's going to be in a different generation than you is not going to say a single yeah. nice thing he's going to expect you to do stuff and if you <laughs> don't do it then you're wrong and you're just probably not going to be the nicest person in the world yeah. so being an instructor you need to find that balance of telling your student hey you did a great job or knowing when you need to kind of get on them a little bit to try to motivate them and help them become a better pilot so (laughs) I think that's definitely good that they did that and that's one of the reasons why becoming instructor is such a difficult thing is because you got to understand each individual student each one learns a different way exactly and that's the hard part I think is trying to figure out okay what's the student's learning dynamic what can I do to try to stand out to them or try to push them and whatnot, or even patience. I know I don't have patience. I don't think I would have made an excellent flight instructor at all. But um, there's people out there that are just like talented for that stuff. And I just give, yeah, I give props to you guys for that. Oh, definitely. I give them all the props in the world. Because like you said, I don't know if I have the patience to to be a good flight instructor. Just because it'd be like, land the plane. They'll be like, how do I land the plane? They'll be like, how do you not know how to land a plane? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'd probably be like, don't do it. Okay, just give it to me. Let me land the plane. (laughs) Right? Watch my learning. Here, we're on down (laughs) on the ground. What'd you learn? (laughs) <laughs> yeah that would, that would that's not the best way to teach so I definitely try to do everything I could to not be an instructor and luckily I, yeah. I was able to find a different route because in America it's pretty much like you become a flight instructor and that's how you build your hours not many people mm-hmm. know that there's different routes to go did you ever think about being an instructor or like you said you just kind of knew that maybe it wasn't the right path for you well after about the sixth flight lesson with my instructor I pretty much kind of said yeah I'm not gonna go down that route because I was terribly like like horrible when it came to power on stalls Mm -hmm. the power off stalls never freaked me out but it was the concept of like pitching the airplane up taking the power out and then all of a sudden adding all the power and continuing the pitch up i Mm -hmm. thought okay well where how much more sky do you want me to go up to (laughs) i hate this so after like maybe like the sixth or seventh time of doing that maneuver and she just like started to lose her patience with me she's like gisela just focus on stall recovery blah 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 I kind of went, yeah, this is not my route. Because if I have to deal with someone who is like me or maybe even worse, right. I'm going to lose it. Especially the power <laughs> on stall because that can turn into a spin very fast if you do the wrong thing. If you're yeah, not coordinated. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. That, that turns in from a, an easy maneuver to like a, you might have pooped your pants and you need to change it when you go back down. <laughs> Just go up for just power on stalls and then you're doing Mission Impossible stuff. I know, so right? Great. All of a sudden you're losing 3,000 feet and spinning toward the ground. It's like, this is not I good. Know. <laughs> when you say that you didn't like power on stalls, did you ever have any, is there ever like one that sticks out in your mind that like really scared you? Or is it just the fact that you're just keep climbing with full power? You're like, what are we doing? I think it was just that. Like I I was never one of those students that would get into spins or get into like upset recovery, you know, 
or all that other stuff. It was just my just solely fear. That's all it was. It had yeah. nothing else to it. I just did not like it. Right. And I'm you're not alone in that because I know when I first started the the idea of a stall was kind of like crazy to me. I was like, why would I want to stall this airplane? Like, exactly. That's crazy. I'm not I, trying to kill myself. Why do you want me plane. to pitch to Noah's up? I know, why? right? It's like this <laughs> this plane was made to fly. It wasn't made to stall. It's a uh, straight and level, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to be a commercial pilot. I'm not trying to stall things. Yeah. Let's go back to your. Um, did you have any difficulties other than kind of the stalls in your private pilot training? Was the was it pretty easy to learn how to land? Did you have any like say crazy stories or crazy experiences in the private pilot training? Well, the private pilot kind of went by okay after the power on stalls. It wasn't until I got to instrument and like the first part of the instrument was pretty good. We were doing like you know the normal instrument um, approaches and the instrument arrivals, instrument departures, and then they threw this whole holding stuff at me and I thought okay how bad can this be it's just a series of like race pattern tracks so we get out and the instructor gives me this whole southwest on this NDB blah 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 and he tells me standard turns so I'm like okay blah 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 write it down and I don't know what the hell I tuned into or what direction I was flying into but I just started doing like this you know turn and I felt confident in it and I was like yeah I got this shit down back <laughs> And then he goes, what, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm holding. And he goes, you're not even on the radial. I just told you to hold on. You're like on the, this reciprocal. Like what, what's your thought process here? And I'm like, <laughs> what are you telling me? You told me standard turns. I'm, doing, I'm turning right. He goes, yeah, but you have to do the hold entry. And then you have to continue with your turns. That's really so funny. I didn't get that concept. And like for the, the life of me, it was about two weeks of just like nonstop. Okay, Gisela, hold on this direction or hold on this radial. I could not understand it. And like my instructor himself even got frustrated with me one day and he goes, you know what? You need to take the weekend off, just <laughs> review stuff, blah, blah, blah. We'll come back in Monday fresh. We came in and I still didn't get it. So yeah. we had another instructor come in and he's like, okay, just give me one session with her. So we're sitting down in the frasca, um, really, you know, just doing holes and stuff. And he goes, okay, well, show me how you enter a hole. And I showed him and blah, blah, blah. And he goes, oh, I, your problem is you don't know how to visualize it. So he taught me this really cool technique that pretty much got me through instrument. No lie, I probably did it on my instrument check ride. You <laughs> hold up the finger and it's like, okay, well, if you're approaching from this side, it's a teardrop, direct entry, parallel, whatnot. So, you know, but that was the most frustrating part of my training was the instrument. And I remember there were nights I cried myself to sleep. Oh, it's eating Oreos. <laughs> eating Oreos, yes, definitely eating Oreos. Eating Oreos. Yeah, it's tough instrument flying because like it's totally different than private pilot license. Like you're trusting these instruments, you you have to figure out how to do holds, approaches. There's so much you got that's going on at once. And I had issues yeah. with the holds as well, just because like I couldn't visualize it either. Like at first I could visualize it on the ground, but then when you go on the plane, it's a kind of a total different thing. Exactly. I'm like, where, yeah, where are you seeing this circle? I mean, I try it underground perfectly, and I'd be like, okay, so it's a direct entry or it's a teardrop entry. We get up there, and I'm turning to God knows where, and he's like, well, you're not even anywhere near where I asked you to hold. It's like, what are you doing? Did you not listen to me on the ground? It's like I did. 
<laughs> yeah. No, it's tough. I had to watch a bunch of YouTube videos before I it kind of clicked in my mind. And the fact did is, did you do the John and Martha King stuff as well too? I didn't do John and Martha King. I just found some random like people on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> they probably were teaching me completely wrong, but I took it and it worked. So, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. But once it clicks in your mind, though, it's crazy how fast it like it's just it just clicks and you know it and you're never gonna make that mistake again. It's just, it's but getting to that point where it clicks is the tough part. Yeah, and it took forever. Yeah, and there's gonna be times where you're like you said, like questioning yourself like how am i gonna be a pilot if i can't figure out how to hold like there's so many Uh other things i have to figure out i just can't get this hold down and that's gonna keep me from my dream but just keep pushing through it take a weekend off take a week off take a day off if you don't have the Uh time and kind of reevaluate and regroup and you should be good and it does help like you said to do it to have a different instructor come in because maybe his teaching technique just wasn't working well with you too Mm-hmm. so we had someone else come in and you know after I got it I felt so proud of myself I'd get lipstick and like I'd go on the mirror and I'd actually draw holding patterns onto the mirror and be like hey that's a teardrop oh that's, that's awesome. a direct you know so that's really cool I like how you reward yourself even if it's with uh, drawing, I know. <laughs> drawing holds on lipstick with lipstick on your mirror Oh, hey, you God. do what you got to do so you remember it, though, you know? Like, whatever helps you become a pilot and helps you figure it out, do it. Don't have any shame on what you're doing. Uh-huh. It sticks. Yep, works for it you. Stick. you. It works if you work it. That's very true. I like that. So instrument training went pretty well, other than the holds and approaches and stuff went pretty well, too? Yeah, I, I actually, you know, just the, the standard stuff, it's um like, you know, timing and whatever. Like, I think it was like some timing stuff for DME. I don't remember how that goes now because now you have a fancy 7.3 that actually does all that stuff for you. So That's very true. Um, but yeah, but um, it actually went pretty good after that. Um, just a normal, maybe two or three repeats in a lesson. Like, okay, well then you're going to repeat this until you get it flawless. But it wasn't that bad after. Yeah, I would, I would say that's probably true. Once, you, Like I said earlier, once you get that kind of aha moment, you don't really fall back below that again it's yeah it's much not yeah, yeah it's not too bad after no nope. but yeah once getting to that aha moment it's going to be tough but once you get past it, it you're is. golden exactly so talking about your private pilot check ride and your instrument check ride would you say one was harder than the other or would you say they're about the same um i would have to say the instrument check ride was a little bit more intense uh i had a great instructor for my um my instrument check ride he made me feel really comfortable because i always have this thing like even up till today i have check riders. So anytime leading up to a check ride, I get really, really nervous. I know I know what to do on a normal day, but it's just just the idea of the word check ride that actually just triggers the whole nervous. Yeah. So, Definitely. Um, but it was actually pretty good. It was very straightforward. Um, he made me feel comfortable. We went up. We did some maneuvers. We did some stalls uh, with the hood, whatnot. And like about an hour and a half later, he got out. And he goes, OK, we'll schedule for your single engine training for commercial now and i'm like wait i passed and he's like yeah why wouldn't you so but you know a bit fairly good after that yeah that's good mm-hmm. yeah i know a lot of people say the instrument is the hardest check ride just because it there's is. so much you need to know the ground is a little bit more intense and there's so much yeah i think the ground was the ground was about two hours yeah. and we went we like toured that sectional and that um i think it was what's the other char- chart again the low the wac uh, yeah Low IFR? Yeah, whatever. low IFR, yeah, high in route charts. That's good stuff. We, yeah. we tore that apart, man. It's yeah. like, what's the MSA for this? What's this? What's that? Yeah. What kind of airspace is this as well? So Yeah, and the thing about the, the instrument check ride is, I've said this before, is that you can't really fake it. Like, you either know it or you don't. They're going to ask you a question. Exactly. You know it. You get it right. You don't know it. Okay, let's come back next week and try <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah, you have the luxury of bullshitting someone on the um, on the private pilot. 
But the instrument, they're just sitting right over you and they're like, okay, you're not going to move on until you answer this question. And they just kind of hover yeah. until you answer it and then they just move on. So. Yeah, they give you a couple chances and maybe they'll ask you something else to try to to get your momentum going so then you can answer yeah. that one again. But if you think about it, there you are flying in the clouds. You have people on board that you're responsible for and also people on the ground that you could cause harm to if you don't know how to fly in the clouds. So it's definitely an important check ride and important to be very good at flying with instruments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Instrument scan is key, especially yep. in instrument flying. So Instrument scan is definitely key and you can definitely do the wrong scan. Someone once told me that they only focus on the VSI when they're doing their instrument scan. That's like their main instrument they focus oh. on. And I was like, what? <laughs> wow, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> it's like, who taught you that? And this is a fully rated, like he's got like a thousand hours. He's been doing that for the whole time. So it's crazy. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, so- it works if you work it. He's definitely working it. I guess, yeah. But when you when you go full scale deflection, sometimes it's not the best. Good night. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that yeah. You need to like you said, some people learn different ways and some people know it the wrong way, but somehow he made it work. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I know. Very. That was a little shocking to hear that. The VSI is the primary instrument in my life. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only one I care about. What? <laughs> Now you're doing your commercial training. What was your commercial training like? Was it, uh, for me, commercial training was my favorite just because I felt really comfortable in the airplane. I had to, I know I had to get up to 250 hours before I could even take my check ride. And it just, I just felt really comfortable. The maneuvers were easier for me and it was just a little bit more fun and more laid back for me. Would you say that was yeah. the same? It was the same as well, too, because now you get a chance to see all the stuff that you've learned for your private, all the stuff that you've learned for instrument pretty much just come together. And I guess with the combination of you flying a plane that was slightly bigger, because I did my commercial single in um, Beechcraft Arrow. Oh, Is nice. it a Beechcraft? Yeah. It's a Piper Arrow. Piper Arrow. Beechcraft Arrow, really. Anyways, Piper Arrow. <laughs> and um, we went out and we did some maneuvers and stuff like that. And everything was just falling into place. Like the airspeed was fine. Head was good. Aircraft control just pretty much came in all together. So it's a wonderful thing to see all your skills just pretty much add up and then it's just combined and you're like, Oh, okay. So this is why I was doing this for, this is what stalls were for. This is what, uh, practicing straight and level was for. And you know, so it's, it's a wonderful experience to see all that come together. It is. And it's just, you're in your commercial training, you're doing more cross countries. You can fly by yourself more. So you're kind of seeing all of your training and you're now doing more like fun flights almost like there's still the flights where you have to learn how to be proficient in the stalls and the maneuvers. But there's also times where you get to just go fly for fun and maybe go fly to get a burger or go fly to get barbecue or whatnot. Yeah. So there's, and there's, that's, that's the rewarding experience right there too. Definitely. I yeah, going to fly to get yeah. some food is awesome. Even if it costs $150 for a burger. Yeah. <laughs> it's well worth it. Hashtag worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any other like crazy stories that you had when you're going through your training? Like did your instructors ever try to kill you or anything like that? Or is it pretty easy? No, it was pretty easy. I did have this one girl that I went out to go um, fly. We were going to go do some cross-country flights together, right? So two of us left and we went out to an uncontrolled airport out by Blythe. And it's one of those airports where you just have to kind of like announce your intentions on the um, the radio as well. So it was just, I think it was her, myself, and another guy. And I'm like, okay, I'm on a left downwind for runway three zero, And she acknowledged it. And I thought she was going to be behind me. She made another position report, and when she did, it was like, okay, well, she's behind me. Spacing looks good, whatnot. So I'm coming over runway three zero, and all of a sudden, I'm walking the power out, getting ready to land, and I see this other Cessna pretty much coming at me, and oh I'm like, well, what the hell? What the <laughs> hell? 
So she's descending, getting ready to land, and I'm also descending as well too. So I had to do a go around, and I come back on frequency, and I'm like, "Where, where were you landing?" And she goes, "Runway three zero. I was like, "No, honey, you're landing runway twelve. What are you doing?" <laughs> and then she's like, "Oh, well, I got confused. Blah blah blah. I didn't understand that." And then I thought, "Okay, well, I'm probably never going to do cross countries with anybody else." <laughs> I mean, granted, she'd been at the school for six months working on her private pilot, so things were a little slower for her. Yeah. But I thought she would have like gained that whole concept of knowing the runways and left down and right down and entry. So yeah. that was like the one time that I kind of contemplated, do I want to continue flying? Is this right. a signal from God saying maybe don't be a pilot because you're going to die yeah, in the traffic pattern? And it's not even your fault. It's just someone else <laughs> exactly that someone did something else's wrong. Fault. Yeah. I had a similar story to that. And this is recently too. It was probably four months ago. I was flying a caravan. I was finishing a trip. I was getting ready to, or I was starting a trip, getting ready to go pick up freight. And uh-huh. um, I was coming into land, you know, it's an uncontrolled field. I made all my proper calls. I was doing everything right. I was landing on the right runway. And all of a sudden, I'm like flaring, getting ready to touch down. And I see uh, like a 182 just oh, getting dear. ready to land on the opposite runway. <laughs> like he, him and I were the same, exa- not the same exact position, but he was turning final probably, I don't know, going to land in the next 30 seconds, minute or so. And he was guy, coming in hot. He was coming in hot and he was not talking at all on the radio. I started saying, I was like, I didn't even give him a chance. I just went around and I flew around. I flew kind of low so I could try to read his tail number so I could figure out where the plane was from so I could yell at someone. But uh-huh. it's just crazy. Like, I, you never think that people would do that. It's like, who doesn't talk at an airport? It's like, you need to tell me where you are because if I wasn't paying attention, like I don't, I now I always look on final when I'm about to touch down just because I don't trust anyone anymore because of that guy. Uh-huh. But and then the if, time, if that did happen, if you guys did get in the midair, then we wouldn't have the pilot to pilot podcast. I know, this right? Week. Where would the pilot to pilot podcast be? <laughs> That's really you wouldn't be able to share your story with the world. So that guy tried to ruin it. The haters are trying to keep me down. Jesus, haters gonna hate, man. Haters gonna hate, man. <laughs> you got to do what you got to look out for yourself. You got to do what you got to do. Stay woke. Yeah, stay woke always, especially in the cockpit. Uh huh. Hopefully, people appreciate that. Hopefully, they'll understand it. Exactly. <laughs> that's we're awesome. not being offensive. We're just trying to promote situational awareness. That's for all. sure. Situa- situational awareness, and make sure you talk at uncontrolled fields. I know you don't have to, and I know people don't, but you need to. Exactly. All right. So you finished all your training. You are now a commercial rated FAA pilot. What was the next step? Did you already know where you wanted to fly in the Cayman Airline in the Cayman Islands? Did you think about maybe flying for an American airline or what was the next step? Like what was the process like? Well, I know the whole next step was going to be getting a job at Cayman Airways because I don't have um, the green card stuff to go sit down in the United States and get a fancy flying job up there. <laughs> so I pretty much said, all right, I know I have to come back and I'm probably going to get a job flying the Twin Otter. So I put my resume in with Cayman Airways because actually a guy who flies for Cayman Airways Express gave me a call like about a week out from me finishing my multi-engine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, hey, we're hiring, blah, 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 send your resume in. And I didn't really anticipate to get a call back, but I sent my resume in. And then like the next two days after this guy calls me and he's like, oh, um, I just got your resume. When you come down for a break, um, I'd like to meet with you. And I'm like, okay, no problem. So I came down, did a little short interview with the general manager for Cayman Airways Express. And um, he's like, okay, well, as soon as you're finished with everything, let me know and we'll get some kind of um, formal interview process going for you. And then we'll see if we can get to you started for training. So I'm like, okay, this is great. So 
came down, got all that stuff done, and then we went into the uh, ground school portion, and uh, we went into flight training, which is where we take the twin otter up, and we just did a couple of like uh, traffic pattern stuff, getting familiarized with the airplane and stuff. And then my mother, who is like my backbone, she was there cheering me on and whatnot. She had a, a horrible asthma attack right in the middle of that. Oh no! And she was in the hospital on a ventilator, like knocked out cold for two weeks. And I remember like going to one of the guys that works at Cayman Airways Express and I'm like, guys, I don't know if I can do this. I don't think I can continue with my training because it was getting to the point that I'd go out, we do stuff, maneuvers in the twin otter and it just was not absorbing because I was just like so worried about my mom. And one of the guys goes, well, you know, not to sound selfish with to you, Gisela, but you know, your mom's going to be proud of you regardless or whatnot, but you have to think about yourself. You have to think about your future. So still go at that training with the same determination to make your mother proud, whatever becomes of the outcome of her, if she's going to make it or, you know, she decides to go on. So I think that was the hardest part was trying to juggle that knowing my mom was sick and stuff like that and not being able to come home and tell her how my training went. Right. And, you know, and then like the worst part about it was, is that the the hospital is right in the approach path for our runway back oh, home. Wow. It so it was like, every time you're flying over, you have that constant reminder that, okay, you're flying over the whole, the, the hospital, she might not make it. So yeah, that's I think that, be hard. That, that has to be like hands down the hardest experience I've had through the, this whole aviation journey. Well, it's like you said, that's like your support system, your backbone. It's someone you could always count on to, to laugh with, to talk with, just to, to experience life with. And not having that, it just had the thought of not having that can affect your training. And then if you add on top of the fact that you're flying directly over where she was at all times and you could just mm-hmm. constantly remind, like remember mm-hmm. that you're not with her, you're not supporting her, that's just got to be so hard. And Training and personal issues can sometimes get in the way. Like you have to have a, a clear mind sometimes to fly. Cause like you said, if you don't, sometimes you're not going to be able to retain that information and you're just not going to be able to keep up with the training program. So you have to, you have to, I mean, I don't want to say you have to find a way, but you have to kind of, you got to figure, everyone has to figure it out on their own in some way of how to get past that or whether they can get past that. Cause some people might think that it's more important to, to be with their mom or to be in training or whatever. And whatever decision you choose, there's nothing wrong with that decision, but you just got to make that choice for yourself. Yeah. So I made the decision that, you know, we've come so far. She was there for me from the beginning and I didn't want to like let her down by saying, okay, well, I'm just going to park and just, you know, wait for her to recover i mean i i did that still to a sense but i still pushed on through with my training and um like clockwork as soon as i did my check ride she was actually out of the hospital and so she she had a chance to even come on one of my night flights as well too because we have to do um three landings in the daytime and then three landings at night as well too to get you qualified mm-hmm. so she had the luxury of um, coming on that nighttime training flight and getting to see what she'd missed because she'd missed the whole twin otter training basically right i'm so sure that was a really that, cool experience that was beautiful that was a beautiful experience definitely did you get to take her up on the twin otter uh she only went up on that one night flight but she has had the privilege of flying with me on the seventh rate to jamaica that's so cool how much fun was she, that she was all ecstatic yeah. about that oh she she was off the floor <laughs> off the walls off the ceiling mad excited i bet she was telling everyone this is my baby flying the plane <laughs> she's so small yeah. she's five Five, but she's flying this plane. That's right. My mom is not really that big. But, yeah, okay. don't tell people that. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. Now, going back to this is like a really cool fact, and you haven't really mentioned it yet, but you were 
the first woman to ever fly the Twin Otter there, correct? Yeah. I don't want to sound cocky or, right. you know, too warm. But, yeah, when I did get hired, I was the first female to fly, first and the youngest female to fly the Twin Otter. So they did a whole, like, new segment on me. They did, like, the newspaper. Um, we did some photo shoots and whatnot. So, and I did radio shows as well, too. So this isn't really oh, much new to me. Yeah, yeah, so, so this is, like, that. nothing for you then. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> But um, so that was a mile marker right there. And then when I did upgrade to the 737-300, that was another mile marker as well, too, because they, they've never had a young female fly the 737-300 or the 800 that we currently have. So that's that's, really cool. that's a mile marker there. I mean, I know you don't want to sound cocky, but I do have to tell you that, that is very impressive. And that is just awesome because I'm sure a lot of people in the Cayman Islands or just the Caribbean or just other places in general, even in America, like a lot of girls don't know that they can be a pilot. They might just see it as an all-male or just yeah. that's the only way that you can get in is you're like only guys fly, but that's not yeah. the case. And it's 2017. You can become a pilot if you want to become a pilot. And that's really cool that you did that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's easy, it's so surprising to see like anytime that I land the airplane and we get to like our destination or even if I'm walking through the airport, going to the plane, the amount of stairs that they get. Yeah. And it's just like even in 2017, there are people that are just out there going, OK, she's a pilot. Wait, <laughs> they have pilots that are females. Does she actually fly the plane? Because I've had people actually ask me, do you fly the plane? Or And I'm like, yeah, we, we take turns. Either the captain does the leg up and I do the radios or vice versa. And to this day, 2017, it's still a modern miracle. They're like, well, holy <laughs> crap, I didn't know they let you land the plane. Yeah, you're like, no, I just sit there, actually. I don't do anything. Yeah, I'm yeah. just a supervisor and I <laughs> yeah. also time his meals. So. Yeah. <laughs> I time his meals. <laughs> that's really funny. Yeah, no, that's that's crazy that people would think that. And it's like, like you said, it's 2017. I can, why can't I fly this plane? Why can't I land this plane? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was one of the biggest struggles as well, too, for me. Like, as soon as I got over that whole hurdle with my mom and the hospital then it was the whole culture because there's a cultural difference down here i don't know if it's that much in the states but a lot of people still feel that females don't belong into like male dominated environments right so when i got that job as the uh, first officer for the twin otter and we started doing our little flights there were people that were kind of apprehensive like i don't know if i want to go on this twin otter flight with this girl and it's an open cockpit so I can hear the passengers making remarks. Sometimes you'd be doing the weight and balance and they're like, oh, Jesus, we're going to die. <laughs> and so it's it's like hearing that and at the same time trying to, trying to tune all that negativity out and trying to focus on becoming something positive to younger generations and younger females who might be interested in aviation. Definitely. So. Yeah. Do you think, like you kind of mentioned a little bit, but do you think to add a little bit more pressure on you as a pilot to kind of perform and prove them wrong? Or are you able to just kind of, like you said, block the haters out and just focus no. on your job? I wish I could say that, but it, it actually added more pressure on me because, you know, first time into this working environment, I have never flown professionally with other people. And um, coming from flight school, we didn't really practice CRM. Mm -hmm. So when you get into the, the airline environment, you, CRM is such a crucial part to making a flight um, operate smoothly. I was trying to figure out, okay, how do I come off to my male captain? Um, sometimes you'd, you know, you'd, you'd say stuff that you kind of question, all right, does this come off sexual? Or do I try not to smile as much? Or is he critiquing me? I, why am I not landing as good as he is? And for the first part of it, I actually did beat myself up a bit because, you know, with new skills, it takes practice. It takes a little bit of repetition to get Definitely. to a, a certain standard. 
And I always used to watch the guys and I'd be like, why, why are they doing that? And I can't do that. So I would always kind of like go into the cockpit with like an inferiority kind of right. aura around me. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't, I don't think I probably deserve to be here. But, it, you know, after about about a month, um, I told my mom about it. She's like, no, you can't be that way. You're a pilot, regardless if you're a female or a male. You have the skills that that guy has. And you're, you got hired to fly the same plane that he is. So there's no reason why you should be comparing yourself and saying, okay, I'm less of a pilot because I'm a female or I need more practice because I'm a female or whatnot. She said, no, just go right into it. Find your weak areas, work on that. And, you know, just don't give him anything to say. Your mom so, sounds like an awesome person. I feel like I want I her know, number so I can should, call her when she, I have problems. <laughs> <laughs> she should be a motivational speaker. I tell her this all the time. But um, I went in and I just said, okay, you know what? I'm going to focus on my skills as a pilot, not so much the f- skills of a female, but just work towards that instead. So that worked. And then after a while, it was telling myself, okay, you're capable, whatnot, this, this, that. And it, I mean, I, there's days that I still feel that way, but you know, when it comes up to ultimate, it's, I'm just as qualified as he is. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You took every single check ride just like he did. Uh, I don't want to equate this situation to football, but when I played football at Ohio State, <laughs> back in the day, uh, we used to, we have a huge rivalry with Michigan and some people might get this, some people might go over some people's head, but if you hang with me, it might kind of make sense a little bit, but they used to beat us all the time. Early 1900s, they beat us like 13 years in a row, maybe 20 years in uh-huh. a row. Our coach back in the day, he eventually got really mad at the team, got really upset at everyone saying how we don't have a chance. And he gives them this huge speech. And he's like, guys, they put their pants on one leg at a time, just like we do. There's no reason uh-huh. why they're better than us. Because it's kind of it's kind of like you said, you kind of had, you're kind of like psyching yourself out because you thought maybe you can't do what he can do and stuff like that. But no, you have the ability to do everything that that male captain does. You put your epaulets on just like he does. You put your hat on just like he does. Uh-huh. Like There's no reason that you can't do that. So it's just a different way to think about that. If you're more of a sports person, you can kind of relate that. It's like you are just as qualified as that person sitting in the left seat or sitting in the right seat. There you go. Yeah. At the time, I didn't understand that, but you know, it works out now. Now I'm kind of like, oh, I see what she was saying. Now. Yeah, right. But- like I said, your mm. mom should start a business where she can just give her phone number out or Skype and just give motivational talks. <laughs> She'll probably start an Instagram page or something. Motivational Mondays. <laughs> motivational Mondays, yeah. <laughs> She'll get like 500,000 followers within the week, take over Instagram. Uh-huh. <laughs> Instead of people being like, are you a female pilot? They're going to be like, is your mom that motivational speaker? Can she follow me, please? Yeah. Can you tell your mom to follow me, please? That's awesome. <laughs> and then the other part of you kind of being in the press and being on radio shows and having all that is... Was there, what was the feedback like to that? Was there good feedback overall? Or like you said, I know kind of in the Caymans, you kind of mentioned that there was a little bit of not the best feedback because they thought that women shouldn't be in a male dominated career. Um, The first part, I think um, it was very well received. Like they they decorated it when they put it in the newspaper. They had a beautiful uh, picture of me. Granted, that was not the best picture or the best angle on my face, but they had it up on the newspaper front page and they did a little article saying, okay, she's young, sky's the limit, blah, blah, blah. And people were actually saying, oh, well, this is nice. This is, you know, love to see young Caymanians progress. We love to see young, new faces, especially a female. But then you'd get on the flights and you'd be like, okay, well, where are the people leaving these wonderful comments on the webpage? Because you're not flying with me today. Because, you know, they'd sit at the back and sometimes they have that stare. 
And they'll be like, uh-huh. So yeah, what is she doing? Or even if I'm doing the walk around, sometimes they'd watch me do the walk around because you can actually like see the question on her face. Like, does she know what she's looking for? Yeah. And we'd also have passengers come up and go, well, that tire looks a little flat. It's like, well, it can't be blown all the way up, miss, because if we land, it's going to burst. So it has to have a certain flatness to it. But Yeah, it's like yeah. who made you the airline or the aviation expert all of a sudden? Who made you the <laughs> nitrogen supplier? Yeah, Calm right. Down. After a while, it kind of grew in with the, the rest of the people now. So it's it's not uncommon now to have people come hug me and they're like oh yay female pilot are you flying me to tampa next week so guys it grew on that so so what's fine for cayman like like uh do you mainly fly to different islands do you fly to the states do you fly to different countries what all do you guys do well we do a lot of um like the northeastern states and whatnot so we do miami we do new york uh tampa we do seasonal dallas seasonal chicago and um the islands jamaica honduras cuba and nice. then our sister island. But it's it's a great gig. I can't complain. Um, yeah. The guys that I work with, they're all very respectable. Um, I don't feel any discrimination or anything. They, they, they make me feel really welcomed. And everybody that I work with, it's just a pleasure, actually. That's really cool. That's, that's mm-hmm. good that you found a good company to get into. Yeah, and I know that's really hard for some people out there. I mean, you can probably end up flying with a guy who's from the 1950s, who doesn't believe a female is supposed to be in the cockpit. So yep. I know how uncomfortable that can probably be. Yeah, I can only imagine. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. that is still part of our culture in some places today. Mm. So definitely. All right, Gisela, I have a rapid fire section for you. I'm going to ask you a couple aviation themed questions and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Okay, go for it. What's your favorite airplane? 737-800. Boom, let's go. What's your favorite airport you've ever flown to? New York. New York. Which one? JFK. 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 What's your favorite aviation instagram account to follow um you can say more than one if you want okay i'm just gonna name off a whole like flurry of them i like limey flyer that pilot maria chick she's all right um (laughs) (laughs) flug aviator i think that's his name uh i am the drizzle stabilizer motion uh captain snoopy carlsbad pilot they're pretty all i love them yeah those are all cool dudes Yeah. yeah they are all right. If you weren't a pilot, what would you want to be? I know you mentioned a doctor before, but you said the government kind of got in the way of that. Is there anything else that you'd want to be? Um, a professional makeup artist. There you go. I can see that. <laughs> Have your own little YouTube channel and put on your own makeup. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm applying coral to my lips to make them look bigger. This is what you do. That's really funny. <laughs> All right. What's a plane you've always wanted to fly? 787. 787. I got to fly on one. I went to China a couple weeks ago and I got to fly business class. We flew standby and we got the upgrades for it. Uh-huh. So we got business class both ways on a 787. It was the Damn. most incredible experience. Check you out. I know, right? Here, baller. everyone thinks that I'm some like baller, but I'm really just like a, a low time cargo pilot, like living paycheck well, see, to paycheck. <laughs> when I started following, I thought, huh. I bet this guy probably flies a 787, but it's just trying to keep it low key. That's what I thought at first. I wish. I need to start. I need to have people think I do that. That'd be cool. <laughs> just start taking random pictures next to American 787. Yeah, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm just going to hang out uh, at the airport and go, go get on every 787 and take pictures of me. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. What is one thing you have to have on you at all times while flying? Disinfectant. Oh, I like that. No one's ever said that before. That's a good one. Uh-huh. I flew. Stay woke. Yeah, I stay woke, guys. Stay woke. Life lessons from Gisela. 
<laughs> I flew with a, uh, when I was training in the PC 12, I flew with a captain who was training me and he was really sick. Like couldn't really function very well, but he was still flying. And uh-huh. I was using baby wipes or disinfectant wipes on everything he touched. He touched anything. I did it right away. And it got to the point where I think he just started touching stuff just because I was disinfecting everything. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one right here. What's your favorite flight you've ever had? Uh, a reposition flight. Uh, we were flying a um, empty 737 up to Miami Tech front engine uh, change. Mm-hmm. That was fun. That was so much fun. Empty flight, just the captain, myself, and a mechanic. And it was it was amazing. You guys I like to have it. some fun with empty flights? Well, we, you know, we keep it within SOPs. Oh, but it's just the sure. fact that, yeah. exactly. But, you know, it's just the fact that it was just us up there and there was nobody else to talk to. And it was just us looking at the airplane's performance because a plane climbs like a bat out of hell when it's empty. Yeah. So that alone is just the fact we were, we were laughing. We were enjoying our time. It was, it was a beautiful experience. I loved it. Yeah, repositioning flights in the airline. Yeah. That could be a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. All right, you kind of answered this earlier, but what was the hardest check ride you ever had? Instrument, Instrument and yeah. What's something you wish you knew before becoming a pilot? That it was going to be mad expensive, and that I'd have to be <laughs> paying a student loan until twenty twenty. Right, and that's a that's yeah. like the quickest way out too. Probably like some people are paying their student loans forever. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who in the industry would you like to meet? I will say Captain Sully. Captain Sully. I like yeah. it. Yeah, that'd be a cool one. I'd like to meet him too. Yeah, same there. What is your favorite thing about aviation? I love that it's completely different from basically every other career on the ground. Their variables change, the weather changes, your thought process is always constantly trying to adapt to whatever situations changes. And it's something that always keeps you alert. It's always something that keeps you appreciative. You get to see these amazing sunsets, amazing sunrises, and you get to visit destinations. So this this is a lovely career. This is a lovely, awesome uh, it really is. Career it really is. It is. I can add to that today because yesterday the type of flying we do is just like on demand. They call us whenever they need us and they'll we'll go down there. And it was my last day on call. I didn't think I was going to go fly. Got a call at 8 a.m. They're like, hey, you're going to fly a couple people down to Nashville, Tennessee, and you're going to get to watch the solar eclipse. And I was like, wait, what? I get to, uh-huh. to fly people down to go watch the solar eclipse. And I was like, this is pretty cool. Cause I lived in Northeast Ohio and you don't really, it wasn't complete totality. So you didn't really get to uh-huh. see the eclipse, but these people, I was fortunate enough to go fly down there. We were there for probably like four hours, watch the eclipse and then flew back and they gave us glasses. They fed us and everything. So it was just really like, that's what see? aviation can do. Aviation can bring you places to see cool moments like that. Exactly. And it it allows you to meet a lot of interesting people as well, too. I mean, you wouldn't get that kind of experience if you were just a doctor working nine to five or working in the emergency room. So that's very true. And to be Mm -hmm. in the aviation community, you don't have to be an airline pilot. You don't have to be a professional pilot. You can just be a private pilot. You can just have a love for aviation. You just like to hang out in an airport. So you can be in the in the aviation community and not actually fly for the airlines. Exactly. Just as long as you have an aviation interest, it just automatically brings you into that aviation community. Even if you're a sim geek, you can still be in the aviation community. Exactly. (laughs) All right, here's one. (laughs) What's the hardest approach you've ever flown or maybe the most difficult approach? Uh, The approach into La Saiba. It's not like dangerously hard, but the VOR is like completely offset from the runway. Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to come into an angle and then at the same time you don't want to overshoot or overbite because there's mountains like right to the right of the runway anyhow. Mm -hmm. So 
you got to be on your P's and Q's on that one. I mean, yeah. I know there's other harder approaches out there, but that's where we go to. And that's, that's the hardest in my book, really. Gotcha. What was the worst experience you've had with a captain or an FO? Yes. <laughs> I had this captain who will remain nameless on what airplane we will also remain nameless. Um, he and I pretty much had like this little altercation. He calls for like a flap setting. And I didn't hear him, so I went, what? And he goes, do you not hear what I'm saying? I said flop so-and-so. And I'm like, well, I didn't hear you the first time. And like he wanted to have a legit petty argument while we were getting configured. Wow. So, yeah, so, there's a time yeah. and place, bro. But this is not that time and not the place. This is not the time. Yeah. But Give me your feedback on the ground. Exactly. There's some interesting people out there, though, to be honest. There are some interesting people. That is a very good point to make. And you will meet a ton of different people in aviation. So you'll run into that those interesting sure. people. That is for sure. All right. Here's one for you. What's your favorite airport food? Chinese food. Chinese don't food. Don't hate. Don't judge. They don't <laughs> have very much of that in Grand Cayman. But we get Caribbean food. So when you get up there and there's a Panda Express, I'm going to hit it up. All day. I love Panda Express. Exactly. Yeah. What's your favorite airline livery? Ours, obviously. Ours, Have you ever seen such a luxurious airline livery before? <laughs> no, you have not. So what you need to do is Google Cayman Airways and just peep that tail. That All tail right. is life. You heard it from her. Peep it. Go look at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know that you've only flown Boeing, but do you want to fly? The next question I have is Airbus or Boeing. Do you have a preference or you just only want to be on Boeing if you have the choice? Team Boeing till the day I die. Unless we face the Boeing out and then they say, okay, you have to fly the Airbus to keep your paycheck. Well, right. Team Airbus. But for now, yeah. team Boeing. Paycheck rules over any kind of preference you have. So, <laughs> Damn right, son. Yeah, I, need to make my pay- I need to make my payments on time. <laughs> like you said, you got student loans till 2020. Oh, God. The yeah. struggle continues. I know, right? What's your favorite overnight city you've ever been to? Uh, JFK, JFK. Or New York, actually. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Like. Anytime that it's transitioning from summer to fall and the leaves start changing colors, yeah, it's beautiful. For sure. It's I, absolutely could, I could agree with that. The only time, one time I went to JFK, I had to do the Canarsie VOR for, I forget where runway it was, but I had to follow. It one, one three left. Yes. And I had to follow yeah. lights over the city. Ah, that, that's, that's a nice approach. Yeah. I've done that a couple of times. Yeah, but it was, I was like really young in my flying career and I, I was so freaking out. I was freaking out so much. Yeah. Like, which one am I lined up with? 13 yeah, right now, right? 13 left. I like, don't I'm at, know. I'm at JFK. Get yourself together. Like, you're expected to do everything right, even if you've never been here before. So, you got to figure it out. And luckily, I did everything uh-huh. right. So, it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a nice approach as well, too. It is. Yeah, flying over the city is pretty cool. It is. It's yeah. very nice. All right. I have a couple other questions for you. This one is, what's IFR flying like in the islands or like Honduras and stuff like that? Is it just VORs? Do they have GPS approaches and ILS approaches? Or what kind of approaches do they mainly do? Well, in our little area, we don't have an ILS. So all of our approaches into Grand Cayman are either VOR, visual approaches, or RNAV approaches. Okay. So, yeah. So if the airplane is equipped for RNAV, you can shoot an RNAV into Grand Cayman. If not, it's going to be a VOR, DME, or um, just a visual approach into Grand Cayman. Um, Kingston is fairly good. Kingston, Jamaica has an ILS, and they also have an RNAV approach. And Honduras has the... uh, RNAV as well too and they also have a VOR approach so okay cool um it's no more different from the you know if you were flying an ILS IFR flying is pretty much the same as well too right um just use VOR to VOR for your um waypoints yeah 
And then I'm actually going to Honduras at the end of the year. I'm going there for um, a mission trip and we're going to Tegucigalpa. Do you fly there? Uh, no, we don't. Okay. Yeah. But so, I heard Tegucigalpa is nice. Yeah. Uh, Rotan is nice as well too. Yeah. <laughs> I heard it's it's interesting. I heard the the approaches. It was ranked like the second most dangerous approach in all of aviation. But you never know. Yeah, it takes some skill. Yeah. It takes skill. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what that's all about. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And then my next question for you is going to be my last question. It is: If someone comes up to you today and they ask you how to become a pilot or what the process is, it could be someone from the Cayman Islands, it could be someone in America. What would you recommend to them? What would you tell them to do? All right. So the first thing you got to do is question yourself. Is this something that I really want to do? If it is, go for it. Get your medical. Try to figure out if you're fit for flying. So that way you don't get halfway through your training and realize, oh, crap, I have a medical condition that stops me from that. Um, just just go to a local FAA doctor. Check that out. See if you're fit. And then go look about doing an introductory flight. So just go all over to your local airport or if you don't have the time, just Google it, local introductory flights and whatnot. Go up, check it out, see what if it's like, check out the school, see if it's a good vibe about it. And, you know, look at your pricing as well to know what your budget is. Is this something you can afford? And there are flight schools that will work with you in terms of budgeting and also um, in terms of payment plans as well, too. Um, stay committed. If it helps you can add these people on Instagram, look at their life, something for motivation as well too. And then just, like I said, stay committed, stay positive with yourself. Make sure that you're constantly in the books. You're constantly studying. Um, like any other goal, if you want to be a bodybuilder, you get up, you go work out, you eat your protein, you lift your weights heavily. It's the same concept that applies towards aviation. If you want to be a pilot, it's something that you just have to go at aggressively and make sure that you just don't let go of that grip, stay focused, and you'll be flying a 787 in no time. Right, definitely. And the only thing that I would add to that is before you do all of that, make sure you ask either Stabilizer Motion or I Am The Drizzle how to become a pilot, yes. and they will give you, you the best to. answer. <laughs> yeah, you need to. And they will also give you the best shoe shining advice as well, they too, will. for when yeah. you're going to do your interview. Yep, they love DMs. They love being asked how to become a pilot, so go ahead and ask them that. Gisela, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun to talk with you. It was a lot of fun to hear kind of the path of how you became a pilot, how you were from the Cayman Islands, you went to San Diego, and then you went to Fort Lauderdale to finish your training. And just hearing your experience of being the first woman to to fly a Twin Otter, and then the first woman to fly a 737, and how you kind of handle how the public looked at you when you're flying and how you kind of had to overcome a little bit of like pressure from the from your passengers and just the difficulties that you had and getting to where you are right now. I think that anyone listening to this, whether they're a girl, whether they're a guy, whether they're an airline captain, I think that they will truly enjoy this episode and hear your story. And I'm very thankful for you coming on. Well, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure talking to you. And I hope uh, it's a pleasure for other people to listen to as well. For sure. Well, like I said, thank you so much. I hope you have a great day and happy flying. You too, kiddo. Thank you. Aviation, that is a wrap on episode number 20. Thank you guys so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this. Guys, you are the best. I really appreciate it. As always, like I said earlier in the intro, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know via DM on our Instagram page at pilot to pilot or send us an email pilot to pilot HQ at gmail.com. Also, we have a Patreon page 
patreon.com slash pilot to pilot. If you love what we're doing with this podcast and just want to support us, that is where you can go to support us, help us create the best content possible. And eventually we might even be creating some other cool things as well. Guys, thank you so much. Have a great day and happy flying.